So I get to lead this today. Um, and today it has to do with the worldview and calling, which it took me a little while to figure out really why it was being called that. So there's like almost like two components to this. So the first one really is talking about the Christian faith that sometimes gets discussed in these ways. And I'm just wondering, like, what do you guys think when you see something like this in terms of Christian faith being described like this? I can definitely see how if you're not part of a particular train of thought that it could be considered piecemeal. You're just picking and choosing things to believe. Okay. <clears throat> what do you think, Alan, or feel when you just look at those? Me? Mm -hmm. um, is it you want to embrace it or is there something you're not comfortable with or? Um, I think the individual doctrines makes the most sense because like if I was describing Christianity, it's a set of truths. Mm -hmm. It's like that there's parts of this that's like, well, that sounds okay, but there's like everyone, there's like, seems like there's a little something missing. Missing, mm -hmm. yeah. So like it's like a set of individual individual doctrine, doctrines. It's almost like a, it's a um, series of books or something. Mm -hmm. You know, like Harry Potter series. Like they're good individual and they kind of go together, but it's there's more to it than just a set of doctrines. Um, it's not piecemeal, although depending on how you read it. And so even when I first came to church, like what do you do with the Old Testament compared to the New Testament? So. When you start seeing how it's interconnected, and I don't know if you guys have seen, there's an image, a visual representation of the Bible. It has Old and New Testament, and it has all these back and forth reference points. And I've heard somebody refer to the Bible as the first hypertext document. <laughs> um, but then the interesting thing, too, is I like to try to be fair and I'll find other stuff. And there's another one that I have read going back and forth, all the contradictions. And one of them I was even looking up. And it's like, so where did the Ten Commandments come from? And it's like, if you don't look at the context, the fuller picture, it looks piecemeal. So it kind of depends, I think, to what you're trying to prove or what you're changing. When you're reading um, moral system or set of rules, what all these things are missing is like, it's not, it's missing that it's interconnected, that it's a cohesive whole. All these are, there's sort of like a separateness to it. So I think that's sort of one of the presumptions too, is like going in, in, I don't know who has TikTok on their phone or who doesn't, but the, the number of people who say they're Christian or that they're this or they're that or what type of Christians, like these are very common. Either attacks or things that people are trying to um, suggest in terms of like that's what the Bible is. And it's, it's really confusing too. It's like if you don't know much and you're listening to all these different perspectives, it's like none of them jive. But the thing is, I guess, with when we're talking about the Christian life and worldviews, that the Bible is a coherent and philosophical like whole of life. So it's like its approach to life, <clears throat> which to me makes some sense in terms of if God's creator, he created life that, and he's orderly, it's like there would be some cohesiveness to it. And I think of like Adam and Eve, they were just doing their thing. They were living, they were working there with God. It was like there was no separation. It was just like they were living their life until they weren't. And then things changed. Um, and so there's a lot of times where there's, we end up having like two different 
like a dualistic view of Christianity. Um, where it's like we separate our lives into these two areas. So I'm just curious what you got. So if I was to put, what would be considered like heavenly pursuits? I'll get you started, Mike. Prayer. Versus say, like politics. What would be another maybe heavenly pursuit? Reading your Bible. Okay. Think of anything else that would come over here? Sports games. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little. Funny. I was praying as well. Being in Nashville. Uh, endeavors. Um, but it's like, where does that fit in? Is it's not necessarily heavenly focused. Technologies um, and sciences, maybe. Okay. Historically, those things have been heavenly pursuits. The artistic pursuits, sciences, mm -hmm. the church was, throughout history, has been responsible for some of the best art, some of the best science, like hospitals, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it was in pursuit of um, Christendom. It was heavenly-minded. So it sounds like you're not terribly comfortable with a separation like this. Um, yeah, maybe that's fair to say. I think a lot of them are more connected than... I wouldn't fully separate all of those, I, I guess. Oh, the Lord's Prayer would either. Hmm? The Lord's Prayer wouldn't either. Yeah, because Bible study, you don't read the Bible to get to heaven. You already know you're going there. What is the Bible study helping you with? It's helping you with life on earth. Hmm. Is it? I don't know. I mean, it just, it, 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 when people start talking about Christianity and faith, they'll start creating these, especially with when Martin Luther, you think like the Catholic Church. And so they, um, sometimes people divide it up in this way. I should do one of these. <laughs> Almost like one spiritual, one's a necessity. Does <clears> that <throat> make it better or worse? Yeah, we, we also probably need to uh, think about this from what the majority of the world thinks rather than um, what we as believers know to be true. That prayer is, uh, yes, it's a heavenly thing, but it's in order so that you can survive living on this earth, right? So I, I agree with <clears throat> with Callie that, that these things probably shouldn't be separated, but I think what you're saying is that they are typically, when someone hears the word Christianity and, and the different uh, categories that they put things in. Or just that sometimes people do separate them. Yeah. And I think you make a good point in terms of the arts and science. I mean, when I first left my hometown to go to a university and I was interested in psychology, somebody gave me a book about how psychology is of the devil and Sigmund Freud opened his practice on a Sunday. I mean, all these different, which I didn't ever read it, so it wasn't very helpful. 
I started to think when you did this, you know, really it's kind of the worldly view of this kind of information. It's you have the heavenly view or spiritual view, and you have the worldly view. Because to be honest with you, they both, all of those things go into the same, you have that category for the world, you have the, that category for the Christian. We just think completely different. Mm-hmm. So secondary. I mean, like when I started to think about the science thing, I know how I view science, and it's not—it's different than people think. Want to tell me that the world had a big bang theory and they had some kind of evolution function? And I'm going, that's God, and He created everything. Uh, and they, you know, it's like, who do you want? What do you want to believe? Well, one of the things that I kind of with along Damien's talking about, I'll listen up information that's contrary, like other people's perspectives. I don't know if it's like the psychologist, because like usually like I'm in a meeting and somebody said, Well, this is what I think and this is what I see and this is what I'm saying. It's like I'm like, you're all right. You're all seeing part of it, but you're not seeing the whole. So you want to head up there before it's like people are seeing parts of it but not necessarily the coherent you know, mm-hmm. coherent whole in this back when Martin Luther was beginning his protest and his criticism of the Catholic Church, this was very common. And I even argued that in a lot of places this is common, where if you're the pastor, oh, you're you're better, or you're something because you devoted yourself. Or there's some, like an author, I was listening to um, something she wrote, um, don't necessarily agree with her, but it was more that her father, who was a doctor, like in the 50s, 60s, somewhere in there, to be a better person, like left his medical practice to go in Africa and then put his kids in like a, um, you know, like a boarding school essentially. So that sacrifice is the way he could serve God better. So it's like, I think these attitudes are still pervasive. Um, you know, like Jeremy, he, he lives and breathes the church. I mean, he's gotta be a better dude than me, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the, I mean, there's that, that idea. Um, but Callie, would, I mean, the way you're talking, when I think of science, it was like understanding the creator and the creation. When I think mm-hmm. of science, I mean, when I think of psychology, there's patterns within humans in terms of being creatures and the way that we deal with stress or other things. And it's like, I find it pretty interesting. So for me, it's usually I'm reconciling. Like I see the same thing. It's like, I don't see a distinction, um, but some people do. And I don't know that it's necessarily helpful this uh, reminds me of you know, the, I think it, as I read through the, this in the next chapter in the book, the kind of two kingdom perspective and we can fail, we can uh, fail if we think, you know, with plumbers, there's not a Christian way to clear a, clear a clogged drain. But at the same time, it's like there, there is for, there is a Christian way to do our work. Mm-hmm. And there's a there is a Christian way to view the money that we earn in doing our work, and there so it's we can't totally divorce it. There there is a Christian mindset that carries into whatever occupation we might have. Well, I guess in terms of like worldviews, if you have a worldview, because I think there's some people, especially as saying as things have like be more. Current as things have progressed or changed, that people like want to have like 
you have this life and then you go to church. It's almost like there's this, there's two parts to you as opposed to one coherent whole. And I'm sure that you've all felt that before in terms of like, well, I can't really be all of me here, but it's like, I, I would I would think that we're still the same person. It's just we can express certain parts more than others. Um, <clears throat> at work, we're not going to have the same conversation necessarily, but the way we approach our work, I don't know that that would differ. Um, and we're supposed to be working as though we're working for God no matter what it is we're doing. Um, and people don't necessarily see these the same too, because I remember the family business is roofing. And I remember as a senior in high school on the weekend, tearing a roof off, I was as like dark as you can be, like 40 year old dust. And there's a girl I knew from school, waved at her, she just started walking faster. She said, I thought you were a perverted construction worker. <laughs> no, it was just me, I was working. Um, but it's just how we separate things. You could be a construction worker, be very dirty and still be a gentleman. You could still, you know, but just the way that we started separating things. Um, and sometimes people will look at this, there's a, a man um, that people will comment and they'll talk about essentially, you know, since um, the fall and all of that, what, how is this even important? This is important because <clears throat> the earth is going to destruction. Um, and so they, they refer to it as polishing, polishing brash brass on a sinking ship. What are your guys' thoughts on pursuing any kind of cultural endeavor, doing anything in the culture would be considered like policing brass, brash on a sinking ship? I, I completely disagree that well, it's not doing that. I'm going to institute a rule today. You and Jeremy can't speak until... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our students. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll be the first to give a, a bad answer. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the essence I think is why are we going to spend any time on the earth that's cursed? Why spend any time on it at all when we should be focused on heavenly things? Well, we're still here. <laughs> For quite mm -hmm. some time, probably. And how are you going to relate to people that are not believers mm -hmm. if you're not interested or into those things as well? And also, I mean, some of those things might be your livelihood. <laughs> like we said, mm -hmm. they're not completely separated. And so, I mean, well, we can't all just study the Bible for the rest of our lives and do nothing else. We have to live. We have to raise our families. We have to... Yeah. Which, if we're studying the Bible, it's going to tell you to do that. Stuff. Exactly. So. Right. Right. Because, like, my mom and I talk a lot about politics and stuff. And one of the things that we're always realizing we have nothing that we can do about the situation. So we turn around and pray about to God and ask Him <clears throat> to help us to know what to pray for, to, you know, and to, to, know, to know what to ask for, you know, because literally it's like, yeah, what do you really do? You, I can go and I can vote, but me one casting one vote, I would argue yes, it does have some benefit, but I don't know that you're gonna change the tide. I think one of the things I really feel like is how do you get the Holy Spirit to convict people to uh, repent and to change their 
I mean, just looking at the nation now, and you start to see uh, this I, big. I just, with that, I was just thinking that even Jesus said that Holy Spirit's like the wind; it's gonna, it's independent. So we're not gonna get Holy Spirit to do anything. We can pray, we can request, but Holy Spirit is pretty independent. Wait, gonna... well, but if you, what I I hope is, is is different. What I'm saying is, we are asking that your will be done. Mm-hmm. That's kind of basically the only, only thing we're trying to do is. Even even so, Lord, come and let your will be done on earth. And that we, we don't really know what's the right answer to pray about either. I want to say, well, no. So let's go back to the beginning. When God put Adam in the garden, he gave him a job. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to till the ground, mm-hmm. and there was pleasure in it at the time, but, um, but he was supposed to till the ground. Yeah, and what predated go, the fall. Mm-hmm. What is, that? Is, that, is that your point? Work predated the fall. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God gave him gave him a job. Now, let's also go even further. How many people in the Word of God think of Joseph? Joseph mm-hmm. was in politics. Esther, Esther was the wife of a, a king, and she spoke. Um, David, think of all of those. So mm-hmm. they all had positions in the world that. Um, God used, and we're also supposed to be a light. So if we're out there, so that people can see, and how differently that we, so that's mine. Well, even Paul was a ferocious student, very ambitious, very aggressive. And I don't know how good a tent maker he was, but he even made tents to earn his keep. So it's like there's like a, I don't know, this it's it creates a false division, but I would say there's. Everything that I see that's something like this, I think there's like a little bit of truth in it, which is like, it's like, but how much and where do you stop? But part of it is that there's hierarchies and you have to decide in terms of priorities. And so I'll work with people, a lot of times interns, where everything's the most important. And if everything's the most important, nothing's important. Mm-hmm. It goes back to... So how do you prioritize? Jesus said, uh, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, remember God that which is God's. And yet, you know, he paid taxes. But yet, he also did God's work. And he also, when he prayed for us, he said, uh, he asked God not to take us out of the world, but keep us from the evil of the world. So as we're in the world, and we're doing <coughs> whatever sacred things God has called us into doing, we are to be lights in those areas. Uh, I've, been, I've been reading a lot on uh, uh, American history lately, and one of the things I, I noticed in there, if it wasn't for a lot of uh, the abolitionists, which were Christians, there was a lot of them in, in, the, uh, in the North at that time. If it wasn't for their pushing, they were constantly pushing to get rid of slavery. Uh, even from the beginning of, of this country, before, when, it was, when it set out, they didn't want it. They didn't even want it in the Constitution. There was a constant push. If it wasn't for them acting the way they were, and matter of fact, uh, this one thing I just read, they called it a sin. They said it was a national sin. Mm-hmm. And they left that to the, on the South. If it wasn't for them pushing like that and showing that this was against what God says in, in their, in their mm-hmm. uh, secular uh, uh, jobs and things that they had, we wouldn't have got, uh, black people wouldn't have been free. So I think in whatever we're doing in our secular lives, we've got to be a light there, reflecting 
do the do our jobs and, and whatever we're doing. And sometimes that's going to create a little bit of friction, mm. but we can be gentle about it. We can be respectful about it. At the same time, we may disagree with some of it. I mean, if we consider it a sin, then you've got to have your you got to stand for something. Um, and there's part of this where it's like even looked up. It's like going to be in the world and not of it. And <clears throat> it doesn't actually say that specifically in the Bible. But there's all these other references. And one of the pieces in terms of that was, and you guys can help me with exactly where it was, but Paul was writing and saying that when I said don't, don't hang out with um, immoral people, I wasn't literally meaning that. It was more the people who pretend to be Christian that are immoral. Those people don't don't hang out with, don't associate with. But, but otherwise, you would have nowhere to go because the world is full of immoral people. So you can't remove yourself from the world. So it's almost like your location is going to be around all kinds of different people with different worldviews. And I think part of it is having some appreciation of how they even got there. What are their misconceptions? And so that's one of the things that I would fault Christians of not being able to do is just assuming that they should think like we do instead of having an appreciation of how they got to where they, where they are. Like, how did you come to the belief? Like that whole, um, what is it? What is it? The, that in the, the nice scene, um, where I've heard that, you know, that's where they made the decision about like, which books are the Bible. It's like, well, that's not really what the primary role of that, that meeting was. But it's like people, and I've talked to a lot of people, just ask them about the worldview. Like, well, what do you, how, where do you think we came from? You know, just base assumptions, trying to understand what their assumptions are. And then sometimes that helps me understand, like, where they're coming from. Then I've got a starting point for a conversation as opposed to just imposing my view on them. Right. You're going to... I was going to say, I from left to right, I see likeness and image. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of an observation of that. What does that mean, likeness and image? Well, the the heavenly pursuits, like Colossians three, is the transforming of our minds through, or the renewing of our minds through, like reading the Word and uh, the relationship with God, um, the different you know graces and whatever that that changes our affections, perspectives, all these things, uh, which restores the person to life that allows them to bear image in the world, which is also, I think, key in Genesis. I get exactly a lot of talk. Uh, yeah, I, I get exactly where you're going, but I'm not allowed to speak. So. <laughs> no. Others needed. Others needed to speak first. So they, part of it is to make sure that you don't get yeah. the easy food that's lowest. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think another problem that happens too. Um, uh, early in my Christian life, when I was uh, hearing preaching and all that, I remember there was a lot of preaching on. Uh, come out from among them, be severed, thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we took that to mean that um, Christians are to live a, live separately from the rest of the world. 
And the problem that happened with that is we moved out of the school system and we moved out of the political world. And we, when we move out, there's no light there and it's got to be replaced with something else. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're astounded that the school system's now they're taking over or the politics is taking over by a lot of uh, heathenism, lostness and all this uh, stuff like that. But we moved out mm-hmm. and didn't stay there and fight. And because being separate means that we're not to be like them in their endeavors. Like a, they're they're just living for the world. We're to be living for God separately in that sense, not to be moving away from them in all things. And so we leave a void if there's no light there. The only word that I would change in what you said just for myself is instead of fight, is just to to be present. Right. I don't know that we even need to fight. Our kids go to um, Valor, and they've got a lot of progressive ideas, which has made for a lot of interesting conversations. But at the same time, um, our kids have found times where they just stood up and had a conversation. So it wasn't a fight, it was conversation. Um, would it be fair to talk about some of these I think it's fair to use the word fight. I mean, in the fight to end slavery, that was, like he was talking that about was earlier, with the abolition, you had to really push hard, and you had to make enemies. God says, love your enemies, assuming you have some enemies, you know? So I think not every well, setting is a fight, but I do think the word fight is going to apply to Christians at I, times. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. There's not a place for it. Because there's time and place for everything. I, th- I think I see, for myself, I see a lot more fight in the conversation. And when there's a fight, there's a winner and a loser. So. I've even heard somebody talk like, you know, if you pick up, you know, if you have a fight with your wife and you win, did you really win? (laughs) (laughs) Totally separate. (laughs) So I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is the idea of like converting or conversion or changing. It's like, I I embrace that more than a fight because Mm -hmm. there's a win or lose. And if you win, the other person loses. And then are they going to want to continue talking? And I think there's so much debate these days and sound bites and gotchas that, there's really no respect going around a lot of the places. You know, I think a lot of what I notice about my own walk is that when I'm not in the Bible, I'm not around spiritual people who have good concept based on the fact that they're looking up and talking to the guy who knows what he wants. You don't have that connection going on. You do things the wrong way because you're in the horizontal, right? And so after I start to get hang around people, I'm exposed to the church and I get the ideas, I, I you know what, abortion is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I never thought about it before, but after you start to realize what we're doing is we're killing babies, oh my gosh, I, I gotta care about that. Yeah. And it's a spiritual caring, it is not a physical realm. No, but people don't think about other people's babies. It's just, it's, it's a calling from God. I disagree, however, because I do think that it's uh, something that you have to deal with. Are you with. supposed to be able to talk right now? No, <laughs> I'm just, just because I'm disagreeing with you. With Jeff, because um, I think that, you know, just just praying for the babies is is not enough, right? We need to enter into the political arena in order to cause change so that babies aren't killed, right? And right. so this this either-or thing is the problem, 
It's not an either or, it's a both and. See, that's why you don't get to talk. <laughs> well, <laughs> we just got to make sure that when we enter in, what you said was, you know, the fight thing about dialoguing. And uh, it, it was making me think about some of the things we've been learning earlier. Um, the Bible tells us to be prepared to give an answer. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, if we were, if we would study the Word of God, study to know what we believe in, we don't, we don't necessarily have to fight in that sense. We can be able to dialogue mm -hmm. and give a coherent reason mm -hmm. for why we believe what we believe in, why we believe God exists, why the Christian way is the right way, so forth and all that. Because when we don't have it, we, anger builds up and we, start, we do the wrong thing uh, in the slavery thing. Nate Turner, uh, John Brown, they murdered people to try to, <laughs> they wanted to do a right thing, but they did a wrong thing. In the abortion thing, back in the 70s and, and some of the 80s, you had some, some people claiming to be Christian running out there blowing up abortion clinics to try to get their viewpoint across the way instead of just dialoguing. And so we, we need to make sure that we're not, like Peter, taking up the sword at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and well, and, and I don't have a problem message. either, like, just personally to be aggressive, but it needs to be in the right measure, in the right, right place. In a book I read a long time ago about um, change and resistance, um, it talked about the people who are giving you resistance listen to what they're saying because they have some legitimate point. They may see something you don't. And if you can appreciate what's going on and help them to see what it is that's is beneficial, the, what they're using to resist you, they'll help to pull things in that direction. And I think of uh, Paul in that direction. I mean, the fervor he had in stopping the Christians, once that got spun around, it was the exact same amount of power, but it was pushing the gospel at that point. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, that's that's the place where, um, was it gentleness does and wise as serpents? It's like where you, you need to be smart about what you're doing. And I think making it either or turns it, I think it's a easier to fight. It's a easier to um, just separate yourselves and not actually mingle and be around other people where your influence really is lost at that point. And just resistance in itself, you could consider it fighting or it's just like just saying no. It's like I disagree. Um, like just in, in Metro, it's like it's very, it's like, Union and there's a lot of progressive ideas. I remember it was going around. And I was like, I'm not signing that. I'm like, oh, you're gonna get in trouble. I'm like, I'm not signing that. And it created a commotion around my table. Like, it was like, no, I'm not signing it. I don't believe in this. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I mean, that for me, that was my protest. That was just, I was just being honest about how I felt about it. You didn't choose a side. And so, being the loudest isn't the most convincing. I don't think it necessarily has the most weight in terms of getting your ideas across where other people can and, and unfortunately, neither is being, like, accurate. Because I think a lot of what you were talking about, you know, influencing mm -hmm. and uh, the, the whole not fighting, but actually talking through ideas, I think a lot of that is tied to personal character and the idea of, you know, uh, if you're known for love, it's probably going to be a little bit easier for what you say to be adopted. If uh, if there's not a relationship there and if there's not a trust there, it doesn't matter how correct you are, you're, you're talking to deaf ears. 
This is the, you know, there's the phrase, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. And like Paul would say, unless you're heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But what's interesting, of all the political unrest that happened during the time of the epistles, of, of the many, you know, we think we're in such a dark age now. Like, you go back there, there's so many issues. Paul's never, like, attacking the political issues. Mm-hmm. He's addressing the heart of the believer. Right. right. So he addresses the relationships. Hey, how do you interact with your husband or wife? How do you interact with your children? Slaves, how do you interact with your masters? It's not, hey, we're going to abolish slavery. It's like, well, if you're in this spot, what? how should you be, how should you be as a person who is in Christ? Mm-hmm. And that's, go back to what you're saying, I think. It's really the, the heart of the Christian that <clears throat> enters into the world. Here's, here's on this back, but please, if there's anything that he owes you, charge to my account, let him go. Mm-hmm. He wasn't supposed to be able to talk either, right? But now that he's done. I waited until last week. <laughs> 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 so, so, yeah. The interesting thing is every time we seem to find a solution that creates other problems. Even in the Bible, it seems like every time I see like a new spin, it's like, oh, the, it's, it's like the Bible's full of like all of the ways people can go wrong. And it's like there's only so many, there's a very small, narrow way to do things properly. And there's a thousand ways to screw it up. And it's like, I found a thousand and one ways to screw it up. It's like, but it's still wrong. It's like, there's all the different heresies and that. It's like, they, they, they cycle around. It's like, they keep coming back. And so one of them that I've, um, that this talks about is with like postmodernism. You can interpret anything the way you want, um, and it's through. I mean, if you watch anything on TikTok or just the kids, it's about you know. There, there's this piece about like tradition and like, progress, and the interesting thing is, as you get older, it's like you have certain traditions, and then your kids come along like, why do we do this? And you have. At least my thought is you have to help them figure out what's still important. So like like a fax machine, where does that fit anymore? Probably one or two places. And it works great if you don't want to change it. But everywhere else, it's like you use your phone, you, there's all sorts of other things, but it had its place. And then it becomes obsolete. So the thing is, what still matters and what's obsolete? And there's some things that are probably obsolete, which is like, like what Luther was trying to make his point and saying that this dualistic way of viewing things, that it, this doesn't work, wasn't meant to be that way, you're messing it up. And so kind of going back to the original. So, so can I ask a question? Sure. Right. So I'm not trying to suggest anything, I'm trying to ask a question so anybody can help me. Um, what, I'm, what I'm wondering about is where, where we should be when it comes to dealing with uh, the issue related to communism versus democracies. And I mean, should we just say like I, I have I have a family member who literally doesn't believe he should do anything or even care about those kind of issues. And so pretty much all day long, he can just sit on the computer. He don't have to do anything except for play games. And I think, is that what your life's going to end up being because you don't believe you have to do anything for anything? I don't know. I, I kind of have a hard time with that. I think that's more of a specific context that should probably be discussed. Okay. Yeah. So, this is something that 
it's actually fairly trendy that the whole idea of like trying to be more modern and it's like what do you do with and sometimes people call it like progressive christianity but it's like trying to meld the culture and christianity together and to something that's like new and better and then when you do that things get lost um, in terms of priorities they get realigned <laughs> but um, modernism is like basically trying to find a new metaphysical and theological answer and some of them have to do with like the God of nature creation the Bible is not historically accurate the Bible is mythology Bible is um, you shouldn't hold people to its moral standards you guys heard these I don't think they're terribly new but they're, I think every generation is saying things resurface. And it's like, and how do you talk to somebody like this? And I think it goes back to worldview, which when, I, when I've talked with like interns in the schools and stuff, and we'll have, I'll ask them about theology and some of that, but it's like the way I ask them, I think is different than some people. I'm like, you know, where do we come from? Where do humans come? It's like very base assumptions. Rather than starting with the Bible is true, it's just like I'm just like wide open, like because I'm just curious about what the worldview is and how it how it's going to fit in when they're working with kids and teachers and that sort of thing. So I'm not even pushing, just asking. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on? Well, let me give you just the bullet points for like these, like what the issue is, like for God and nature, Old Testament. You got a hateful and vengeful God. Um, it's looking past the idea of holiness. Um, and wrath and how that fits in with love. Creation being a myth, um, it denies man, man has fallen, um, rather sees man as rising, evolving, and getting better. Bible is not historically accurate, it's ancient legendary tradition. Um, Bible is mythologized, so if there's anything miraculous, you explain it through nature. If you watch like the Science Channel, something like that, they talk about um, the plagues, and about erupting volcanoes and this other stuff. And it's like, it's really cool. And I like the science behind it. I'm like, I don't know how it happened. Maybe that was it. But part of it is they're explaining in a way is that it wasn't necessarily God or Sodom and Gomorrah or some of these that come up with scientific explanations to the point where is God really needed? Um, Bible's not a moral standard that, that we should hold humans to. Um, they can't be regulated by a rule book. So really the question is like, how do you answer something like this? I want to point out what you're talking about with the whole finding out what someone actually believes because I think yeah. that's so important. It's like Ender's Game type stuff where he truly empathizes with his enemy and he knows them so well that he can destroy them, but then he has the choice. So what does he do with that? And so it's like don't project or presume what someone believes, but ask the questions and be present to truly know what's there, right? And then you made a comment a couple classes ago, I think referring to ideologues, where we to don't what? necessarily... To what? Like, ideo I, you never use the oh. word, but I think the idea you're getting across with ideologues that ideas that we have are not necessarily our own. Yeah. Right? And so I think, I think we'll run into a lot of ideologues whenever we're talking to people like... I believe in the Big Bang. Well, why do you believe that? Because you've done the research or because the TV told you that, you know? Uh, and I guess that goes both ways, but... It does. I mean, yes, somebody, which I don't think is, it's not necessarily a gotcha, but it's like, 
looks like you've got something to look into. Mm-hmm. Either side, it's like you know, it sounds like that's even with the interns. We start off our semester every every year with everybody has to say I don't know, because the point is I'm going to push them to the point they have to say I don't know, and then that's where you go and start looking up what you don't know. You might change what you believe about it. You may reinforce it and find better evidence. Um, and along with what you're saying too, it's like there's something called a, an Iron Man argument that I like, and it's where you understand the other person's perspective so well you could argue mm-hmm. it as well or better than they can which shows a lot of respect and it takes some time to appreciate what they're saying, but you can also dismantle it because you understand it well enough that you can truly appreciate where the errors are or what or the way they're perceiving something differently. You can hopefully help them observe it. Um, I had a conversation with Jeremiah recently about um, getting baptized and we asked him if he thought he was prepared to be baptized and he said, no, I'm definitely not ready to be baptized. Oh, okay, why? Well, I'm just not sure. Uh, okay, what are you not sure of? Well, how is it that um, that everybody's got their own holy books? How do we know that our holy book is the right holy book? How do we know that our God is the right God? And I encouraged him, saying, well, you want to research it? Go. Go ahead and research it. Here's one question I want you to ask of everything you research. What does it do about my sin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have to fix your own sin, or has someone else fixed it for you? That's it. That, that's the only question I want you to be open to when you're doing whatever research you want to do on these other... Or if there's even sin. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that allows him to have some sort of a framework to interrogate these other religions um, and come to an understanding on his own. I don't want his his faith to be just because mommy, that's what mommy and daddy believe. I want his faith to be a true faith based upon the truth that he understands that he's a sinner and is accountable to a holy God and that that, that holy God made a way for him to be saved. When I say to having conversations like that can be scary for people. Because I can remember watching Dinosaur Train with Asher. <laughs> you guys say Dinosaur Train? <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh, Pterodactyls and one ty- Tyrannosaurus, and they go back in a in a train, go back in time and see other dinosaurs, um, and it's a fun show. And then they, they'll have positions where it's um, that dinosaurs turned into birds through mm-hmm. evolution. Mm-hmm. I was watching with Asher, and he's like, "You think that really happened?" I said, "Well, if you don't believe in a god, you have to explain the world somehow." I don't think that's right, but you'll have to make your own decision about that. You just like thinking like. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. But it's like letting giving people a chance to think or to ponder and come up with their own conclusions or look at the data and the information is terrifying. I remember I, I was dating a girl who was Mormon. I didn't really understand what Mormons were, but my mother was absolutely terrified. I kept finding tracks on my bed. <laughs> and I did a lot of reading through the Bible, through Mormon literature, and I figured out what the differences were. And I was like, no, I well then <laughs> yeah, I find that when, a lot of times when we get asked these questions bigger back on what you just said um, it, these questions are thrown at uh, believers to put you on the defensive but what I find is the people that ask those questions never turn that question back upon their own beliefs mm. for instance they'll say that uh, 
there can't be a God because if there was a God, he wouldn't allow bad things to happen and all this suffering and whatever. So they don't believe in God. So I, my answer to them was, well, if God's not doing it, then who is doing it? Nature, the very nature that you tell us to study and like, and I don't see you getting as mad with nature <laughs> as you get mad as mad with God. I don't see you shaking your fist at nature and saying, I don't believe in nature because if nature was good, you see, nature is, is just nothing to, you know, it's, it's supposed to be neutral. And yet the same nature created life from lifelessness which is impossible. The same nature they look to to try to explain just about anything, but I always come down to this. I said, well, if there's no God, then it's open season. Who's the final authority for anything? Uh, mm -hmm. Morality, government, education, no matter what you come up with, who's the final authority as to how we are to conduct these things? And if they come down to, if they say man, I mean, because all of them will come down to, to man. And if it's just man, then I would say, what makes their opinion more valuable than mine? Why, why should we attack Hitler for what he did? Because he felt like that's what he wanted to do. And that's what he, that was his belief system and what he did. Why, why are we attacking him? Uh, as I told one person, I said, if there's no God, there's no such thing as right or wrong. And if there's no such thing as right or wrong, the only thing that we have is I don't, you can never say anything is right or wrong. You can never say anything is evil or sin. The only thing you can say is, uh, I'm fighting against that because I don't like it. I like this, but I don't like this. That's the only thing you have. Mm -hmm. You don't have a moral standard. So it's well, open season. And I think that that's where I would give validity to people saying, you know, that that's my truth or your truth. So, because if you have nothing external from yourself that has like some sort of objective right or wrong to it, mm -hmm. then it is up to you. It is your truth. Because you're constructing your worldview based on what you want it to be. And we've seen a lot of evidence of people who don't like the way the world is or who they are, society, so they like recreate a world. Some of them looks really bizarre and some of it's like it, it's pretty commonplace. But they recreate the world into their own liking. But so for me, like I'm I always look at the 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 absoluteness of God. He doesn't change over time, and yet we've got people who are progressive and they change all day. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I can't believe that. Another observation I wanna make is from the Bible, what do we see is true of people in general? <clears throat> they forget God, they don't remember what he's done, and each of us goes after his own way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know Damien didn't mean this, but when he was talking about his son and he's like, I want his faith to be real and you know he needs to do that on his own and it's like yes but Emmanuel right so God with us you know and uh, it's just a constant preaching to ourselves that allows us to show up in the world and if I'm trying to do this stuff of my own ability I'm gonna get lost in the tasks for getting the mission well, and when you're talking about the Lord's Prayer and also, I mean, the thing is, there's an Einstein quote that I like that if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a lot of complexity. And so the thing is, you can explain it simply and not even understand what you just said. Um, but when Pharisees were trying to trick Christ, <clears throat> like what are the, basically, like you need to pick what's the priority in terms of like 
the most important commandment, but he just summarized it, God and then each other. And then we happen to live in the world. But the, the, this was in terms of the book is what they're suggesting is how you address um, like a modernism perspective of things. But I mean, the first is you have to you have to have some agreement about God, who or what the nature of God is. And before you go any further, it's like the rest of it doesn't really matter. Um, and they summed it up with what you were talking about, Josh, in terms of Lord's Prayer. And I'll just read through the parts of it and see what you guys think in terms of like what are the pieces. Were, how do they fit like, like what you're saying, Cal? It's like we're, it's all part of the same thing. It's like separating. It doesn't make sense. And when you read through the Lord's Prayer, I mean, there's so many different facets to it, depending on what you're trying to understand. But it's like it talks about like just the whole, the integrated whole. Um, our Father who art in heaven. So what's the assumption or the presumption with that? That God exists, that he is separate from us because he's not on earth, he's in heaven. Um, that he is a personal God because he's our Father. Our Father, personal. And, and, he's and that he's listening. And that he's listening, yeah. Hallowed be thy name. Which when you're looking at some of this stuff, it's like you can see where there's a contrast. He's due worship and all allegiance. Thy kingdom come. What's that suggesting? Thy kingdom come. There's not a decision answer. It means that his kingdom is not yet here, that there's still something more to come, that we are looking forward to his kingdom, in which there's no sin. There's, you know, He gets all the honor glory. Well, and he has a central purpose. Like there's a reason behind it all. And I think of authority as well. Mm -hmm. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's, and even though it's broken, it's like it's not separated. It's like it's conjoined. Um, it's not finished. It's working our way there, but um, his but will it, happens both in heaven and here. Is it true that we, his kingdom is not really here? Because he says he's, he builds his kingdom in the hearts of men. Yeah, Jesus also said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my people would fight for me, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there is a, a his, slight where distinction. Is his kingdom then? It's like an already but not yet, maybe? Yeah, exactly. I've, I've understood that to mean his kingdom, the origin of his kingdom is not of this world. He comes mm -hmm. from heaven, okay. but he is building it in this world. Yeah, so it's, it's here. Well, I, it, I guess in part, I think it's spoiled and it's working to... Be regenerated. The, I would say the church is his kingdom. Yeah. But the full reality of that will come in the new heavens and right. earth. Okay. But yeah. uh, but he's already building that kingdom in the hearts of men, is it not? Yeah. So give us our day, our daily bread. Which I, I mean, some of that's just like the day to day about things. Um, the other part it talks about is that. He'll provide everything we need if we're willing to wait for his timing. And part of what I think of too is like the calling, like is it to be like a pastor? Is it to be a baker? Is it to be a, an artist? It's like, I guess, at least in my perspective, it's like people are like flowers. It's like there's all different flowers. They bloom at different times. They, they some do better in air places versus humid areas. 
Um, and I think a personality, there's just people who are designed to do certain things. Like I, I can't spell well because <clears throat> I don't hear the sounds in some of the words. I can't find the beat music. Erica can confess to that. <laughs> there's a lot of things I can't do, which is why I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not going to be a musician. It's just not in the cards for me. So there's other things like it pushes me in a different direction. So it's like, I think that we all have a calling just if we're willing to take a look at what it is and it might take some time. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors um, or sinners in need of God's forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Only the Lord spares us from trials too hard to bear and we hope for our journey to heaven. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him the glory forever. So those are like kind of the two sections, the two pieces that I was trying to reconcile in this part of the book is even though Martin Luther said that it's not two parts, it's a conjoined, it's a whole, and all fits together. It's almost then you go further than that, it's like you try to recreate something almost integrated in a different way. And this is kind of where we are now. It's like we're not where Martin Luther was, but we're not getting any territory of trying to rejoin it. Any last thoughts or comments? What was the title of this particular chapter? Hmm. Worldview and Calling. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't Robert or Calling. Worldview and Calling. Because I think, I mean, I've heard it when I was, I was helping with um, the search for the youth pastor from Ryan about people who said they you know they're called into the ministry. And some of them, it, what it reminded me is when I was uh, an undergrad and my advisor told me to go to this thing and it was basically why you shouldn't go to grad school. And it's like, don't go because you want to just stay in school and don't want to get a real job. Don't go because you don't know what else to do. It's like, that these people are in a crisis and they just kept doing more of the same thing. And so um, some of this really just reminds me of there's things you can do that you can be called to do that are not preaching um, in a building. And you think you can be called to do that. You can be a light in the world. You can, because it's an integrated whole. It's not like there's a separate place to do one or the other. Well, and that that's why... You know, the word vocation, when we think of vocation, we think of what's your job, what's your, what's your, um, your career, what's your path in life. Well, the fact of the matter is, vocare is for a calling. You've been called to do something. And um, I, I heard uh, at some point when I was considering um, going into uh, uh, seminary, if you can be satisfied in doing anything other than being a preacher, then go do that other thing. If you can't be satisfied in life except by being a preacher of the word, okay, go ahead. You're called to that. And it was at that moment that I knew, okay, I really love theology and I really love talking about the things of God, but I can be fulfilled and not be a preacher. You might be better off just being a motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the whole idea of calling, um, there's if there weren't bakers, 
people wouldn't eat bread. If there weren't butchers, people wouldn't eat meat, you know. But that doesn't mean that uh, that just because it's a secular, quote-unquote secular job, um, that it doesn't have some sort of spiritual significance. I don't think that there is a separation between secular and spiritual when you're talking about a person who is in Christ. Okay. Right. There's an article right about being in the world and not of it. And there's the summation was in the world is location of the world as a worldview. Mm-hmm. Well, and the Bible directly, specifically states, right, to, to have them continue where they're at uh-huh. whenever they're converted. Which is an interesting point. Why, mean, why stay there? And when your calling isn't necessarily your job. Like, we're called to be a light. We're called to minister and we're called to be parents and we're called to be spouses. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more of what we're called to do rather than just the job mm-hmm. that we show up for. Rather than how we make our money. Right. Work mission, work, job. What? Mission, work, job. Mm-hmm. I, the most I've ever been called in my life was working in a job where everybody hates God and they all are um, well let's put it this way some of the grossest sins you can imagine you know they were taking those things all day and I'm, I'm in that neat, that environment going oh my gosh this is terrible you know I'm, I'd rather be working with you <laughs> and have something to talk about that's wholesome and Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about <laughs> let me wax philosophical a little bit. This uh, uh, salt. The Bible tells us we're to be salt and earth. And when you shake out salt, it doesn't fall in one spot. It goes out. It scatters. And as Christians, if we're salt, we're to be scattered everywhere. We're to be in everything and reflecting a light of Christ by our uh, the testimony that we have while we're there, while we're there. So we have to be part. It's a dichotomy of being spiritual in a secular society. You know, one of the things that relates to what you're saying is that I've always said to my daughters, um, you know, which are 38, 34, and 22, I said, girls, I'm, I don't want to keep you from having your friends. I just want you to lead those friends in the way that we believe. Don't let them... Right. <laughs> well, it's okay to disagree. You don't have to agree with everybody. Well, well just for time, let's wrap. And uh, I guess head downstairs and visit. And, uh, appreciate you guys being here for my Thank first you. Thank you, teaching moment. <laughs>